for our second message today. We have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, The Gospel According to Mark, Part 2. I didn't want to leave uh, Mark's gospel in the way that I left it the last time, mainly because I didn't have enough time to finish it up. But this part two, in a little bit of review, remember Mark's gospel is the shortest of the three, uh, being only 16 chapters. One of the other interesting things about Mark's gospel is, is that it doesn't have any early years. There's nothing to tell you where he was born or any of that in, in, that, in the first few verses of Mark's gospel. Mark's, um, Mark's gospel, and, and many have seen this, that Mark presents Jesus as the perfect servant of God the Father, serving him from the beginning, <laughs> after he was... Um, baptized and went into the wilderness he began that ministry perfectly serving the father until his death and bringing that message and one of the other things that um, one of the, the things about studying the gospels is the goal is to really understand your messiah the one that, that's there to, to save you that, that, that is sitting at the right hand of the father to believe that he truly is the Messiah. And th these are preserved for us to understand that, to come to really deeply understand that. I mean, we see those, the prophecies in Deuteronomy 18, 18. I'm not going to go to these. In Isaiah 53. And they prophesy about that one to come. And then we have the Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John that relate that. And then we have the apostles who then amplify that and bring that out. And of course Luke in the book of Acts has a historical perspective of those things. So when we study, when we open the Bible, when we look into something, do we just race by it and not think about it, not grasp its significance, not give it the, the, the real a time that we need to look into it, to think about it, to meditate on it. I think we do. I think sometimes uh, we go through these things and we maybe sometimes we miss things that are right there, even in something as short a gospel as Mark is. And yet it's filled with so many interesting things. Even in this first chapter, and I'm not, I am just going to cover some thoughts and feelings and we're going to go to different places and we're going to look again and I'm not sure exactly where I finished up last time but I, this will be since it's been a while this will be like something new and we're not going to start in the beginning because we already have done that we uh, John's baptism and and then that we're going to start in verse 14 marks the first chapter verse 14 he says now after that John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's interesting that later on, while John was in prison, 
his disciples came and asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? <laughs> are you the one? John, you, you can imagine being in prison. Let's turn to, to Matthew, the 11th chapter. And let's look at that. As you can imagine being in prison and, and, and maybe not having a whole lot of information. I don't know what prisons were like. They were probably terrible. I'm sure they were awful to, to be a part of. He says in verse, verse 1, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his, his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples. Now, he was hearing about it. And he said to him, Are you he that should come, or do we look to another? Well, we know in the other Gospels that, J that John says, This is the Lamb of God. And yet, sometimes do we also, so far from these events in the book of Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, so far from those events, do we sometimes doubt Jesus came to this earth, that Jesus died? I mean, Jesus praised John for the work that he did. And we'll see that here. I may go ahead and read that. I wasn't going to include that. But I, I think what Jesus said was very important about John's work and John, what he was doing. But he says, Jesus answered and said to him, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised. And poor have their gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I think that was so appropriate in his last part that he put there. Was John being a little offended in, in, in defending Jesus? You know, John had a powerful ministry. He was there. He was baptizing. He was preaching. He was strong. He was, and then he got put into prison because of what he said. I mean, he was a, he was a very outspoken individual. And they departed, and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What, when you came out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken into the wind? But what, when you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft raiment clothing are in king's houses. And we know what John wore. <laughs> John wore these camel's hair and ate locust and honey. Who, uh, who's ever tried locust and honey? I don't know. <laughs> I've never tried that before. I'm supposed, I suppose you would want to cover it up with something. <laughs> Maybe honey would be the best thing to cover them up with. <clears throat> and what, what you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of, of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare your way before you. He said, Verily I say unto you, among them that were born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violence take, take it by force. For for all the prophets in the law and the prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. And I'm not going to go any further on that. But I just wanted to, to bring that out. <clears throat> Jesus wanted them to understand that he was the Messiah that, that was to come. That he was doing the work. He was doing those things. And he was preaching powerfully. You might hold your place in Mark as we're going to jump back and forth. In fact, I might hold my place in Mark as we jump back and forth here. And saying, again, verse 14, now to John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So, it, Jesus didn't start his ministry until after John was finished and put in the prison. Then Jesus began to pick that, that message up and preaching the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. The good news, brethren, has two, two sections to it, doesn't it? It has the kingdom that's on the earth, but you've got to have a king. And so Jesus is part of the gospel message. He is the king that will come. And for nearly 2,000 years, this message has been preached. And the kingdom is not here yet. And we know that. And it needs to continue to be preached. And it, what needs to continue to be preached is repent you. Change. Overcome. Do what the Bible says. And we see the world going totally to the opposite of that, don't we? We see the world moving completely and totally. And even to the point of hating Christians. Some don't always believe exactly what we believe. But they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Some of them do. And they're willing to lay their lives on the line for that. And so down through the ages, men and women have been repenting and believing the good news and looking forward to, to the kingdom of God, looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. We know the prophecies have to be there. We know things have to be But we need to continue to believe that Jesus is the one. There's a really profound and wonderful synopsis that I love to read every time that I think about the kingdom. And just like uh, Doyle was saying, Paul has some interesting ways of, of putting the gospel message. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, if you want an overview, and I think this is wonderful to get an overview of what God is doing and what he looks forward into the future to finish the work all the way in a few verses. Nine verses. 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 20. 
But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Part of our believing, part of our belief is that he was resurrected from the dead. That we believe that. That we, that we believe he lived, that he preached, that he did all the things that the Bible says, that he was crucified, that he was in the grave three days and three nights, and that he was resurrected, and that he lives. That's part of the gospel message, that Jesus lives. And if he didn't, he says, we are most men most miserable. We are all men most miserable if Christ did not raise from the dead. He said, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. He says, for in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all may be, be made alive. And there is another hope that we have by believing in Christ. We can believe that we're going to be alive for all eternity in the kingdom of God. If you believe that, and I think that's the whole point of the Gospels, believe in the good news. Believe in what it says. Believe in the hope that's in those words. But every, <clears throat> say, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. We, in this room, hope we're a part of that group, don't we? We have that hope that we are a part of that group, of those that are Christ at his coming. Whether we lay in the grave waiting, or we're alive during the tri tribulation, the terrible times during those terrible tribulation times, and maybe saved, preserved, or maybe we might have to, to die during that time. There's a lot of scenarios there. But we look forward to that coming. We look forward to Christ's coming. Every man is owner, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ in his coming. That would be us. That would be those that have believed. That would be those that have repented. Those who believe the gospel. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign. Christ must be reign on the earth till he has put all enemies under his feet. There's a time coming when peace will reign on the earth because God and Jesus Christ will make it so. Christ will be King of kings and Lord of lords. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We all look forward to that because it's so sad when someone is lost. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, he manifests that he is accepted, which put did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued to him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things under him, that God may be, may be all in all. And so with that synopsis, with that, these gospel messages that we see from the book of Mark or, or the book of Matthew or the, 
of the book of Luke or the book of, of John or even any of the apostles. We have the hope of the kingdom. We look forward to that. We want the kingdom of God to be on the earth. Let's go back to Mark. As we pick it up in verse 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come you after me, and I will make you uh, to become fishers of men. And immediately they forsook their nets and followed him. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, you can go to the other Gospels and kind of think in your mind. Now, was there a halo on Jesus so that they, they were just totally consumed? Or did they know Jesus? Or did they know about him? I mean, Mark doesn't give a whole lot of detail there, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't it just doesn't jump out at you. Let's go to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Let's see if we can see a little bit more about the calling of the disciples. Matthew 4. And beginning in verse 18. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. Now remember, he had been in the wilderness. This was a, the far southern part of the Sea of Galilee, uh, down by the, uh, on the, the western side of the River Jordan. And he had walked now back up to the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And right by that, he was walking towards Capernaum because that's where he ends up at. And during that time, he sees these fishermen. He sees these young men fishing. And so beginning in verse uh, um, 18, he says, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew's, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. And they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So here we have a, a, almost a word for word from Mark, uh, or <laughs> uh, Mark took this from Matthew. Uh, there's a lot of inf interesting things about the background. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their father, father and they followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogue. So let's go now to Luke, and let's look at Luke's message and gospel message in that same context. As Luke also, in verse chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake uh, Gennesaret and, and saw two ships standing by the by the lake, by the, uh, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust his little, uh, thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out onto the, into the deep. Now, <laughs> what do we have? We have a song called Launch Out Into the Deep, don't we? And let down your nets into the draw. In other words, let your nets down. 
And of course, Simon says, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, right there, what, what do we find? We've, now we've, we've looked at Mark's gospel. Now we've looked at Matthew's gospel. Now we're looking at Luke's gospel. And what do we find that Simon Peter actually says? Master. It's not like they've come up on, he's come up on these young men without some knowledge. They had some knowledge. And maybe they even grew up together, I don't know. But anyway, he says, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this thing, enclosed a great multitude of fishes that broke, that the, and their net broke. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him in the drought of the fishes which, were, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Debedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto him, Fear not, for hereafter you shall catch men. And so now with the we now have a little fuller picture, a little fuller picture of this one incident that we saw in Mark. And we also see a very tremendous miracle. These fishes, and of course I'm sure they were, and, and then when they were, had, had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So we go back to Mark now, and we find out that they did. They forsook their nets and they followed him. Verse 18. And of course, the, the same one, um, I didn't read to the end of this, but, and when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the ships mending their nets, and immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship, and hired servants went after him. Now, he had these young men, I'm assuming they were young men, and now they were going to Capernaum. Verse 21, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath day he entered the synagogue and taught. So what would you consider, what would, what would be the thought that would come to mind about Jesus? That on the Sabbath he did what? He kept the Sabbath, and he taught on the Sabbath. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, which is where the people were gathered on the Sabbath day, as we do every Sabbath, as we come here to worship God and to worship Jesus Christ. So we see that. And the example is that Jesus kept the Sabbath and preached on the Sabbath. And that's the reason why we believe that the Sabbath is the right day to worship on. Because it was Jesus' custom to preach and teach and to keep the Sabbath. And of course, they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. 
Okay, I want to... In verse 23, a very interesting thing. And I don't know if you've thought about this very much. But the unclean spirits already knew Jesus. <laughs> and when he ever appeared, they weren't very happy. Because they were afraid that they were now going to be judged. They already knew that they were going to be judged. And here, here we find out that they, that they definitely... And there were in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. I'm not sure that Jesus even said anything to him. This unclean spirit recognized him, recognized Christ. And this unclean spirit cried out with this man, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know you who you are the Holy One of God. And of course, Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace. Come out of him. Brethren, the name of Jesus Christ is one of the most powerful names that you can use. There is not a spirit out there that will not go away at the name of Christ. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were amazed as much as they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. In this same book, I've always been partial to this scenario, because I think this is, this is Jesus' um, saying that, Pigs and pork are not to be, you know, are unclean. Let's go to Mark, the fifth chapter. Let's read this scenario. This is another one. And where he meets an unclean spirit. Verse 1. I think that's where I'm starting. Yeah. And they came over to the other side of the sea into the country that was uh, the Gadrenes. And when he had come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This person could break chains. Powerful individual. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had plucked asunder by him, and fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some of the things that happen in society today. People get on horrible, terrible drugs and things, and they, they just they can't control themselves. And they do horrible things. And when he saw Jesus far off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, you son of the Most High? I adjure you by God that you torment me not. There's something very interesting to understand about these disembodied spirits 
Because there's judgment coming. And there are many times when Jesus met these that they knew who he was and what he was going to do to them. And the power that he had. For he said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what's your name? And he answered and said, my name is Legion. This man had a legion of unclean spirits, for I am many. Or we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were near the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. This to me has always been amusing. To Jesus, one, <laughs> they, that they wanted to go in the swine. <laughs> and two, that Jesus is, well, that's fine with me. <laughs> he said, <clears throat> the devil's beside him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. This man had 2,000 unclean spirits dwelling in him. That's scary. But we see the power of Jesus, don't we? We see the power of Jesus Christ. We know that that power is there. And even today, we know that there's power there. And they, fed the swine, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and, and to see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion city and clothed in the right mind, and they were afraid. What a powerful, powerful miracle this was. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And he was coming to the ship that he had been possessed with the, the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. It's interesting how Jesus dealt with this man. You know, you would think, okay, come on, come with us. But he said, Jesus allowed him not. But he said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. I mean, that's what Jesus wants us to do when we receive compassion or a healing, or a blessing. We are to, to, to tell people how Jesus had compassion on us, or blessed us. <clears throat> That's an interesting, very interesting part of this. Let's go back to Mark, the first chapter now, as we, we pick it back up. I um, I pulled this back up. And I was thinking about this. Verse 22. They were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them 
as he had authority in Annas' scribes. And if you remember in Deuteronomy, the, the 1818, I'm going to turn back to that just real quickly here, because I want to emphasize this. If Jesus was not fulfilling this one prophecy, then he was not the Messiah. He says, I will raise them up a prophet, a prophet from among their brethren like to you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I shall command him. What they were seeing is the authority that he had. He was filled with the Spirit. He had the authority of the Father to preach the good news, to preach the gospel, and to speak with authority everywhere that he went. It was a powerful message that he was bringing. And they noticed that. Oh, the scribes, I mean, they... Oh, well, this is the way it goes. Jesus, when he came, he spoke with authority. He spoke with power. Continue on here now. Let's see if we can find some more interesting things as we, we, we look through this. Now let's go back and pick it up here in... In verse 28, And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they enter into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. And Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered to them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought, him to all, they brought to him all that were diseased and them that possessed with devils. It was interesting. The whole city was waiting to the end of the Sabbath, to sundown. And they all came, and they brought all that needed to be healed, all that had this. And Jesus reached out and healed them. And all the city gathered to the at the door and he healed many that were sick of different diseases cast out many devils and allowed not the devils to speak because they knew him they knew him they knew who he was this is an interesting part right here verse 35 in the morning rising up a great while before day he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed Jesus taught about those things, about prayer, about the need to have contact with the Father. Let's, let's look at uh, the words of Jesus in Matthew as he expounds this a little bit, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not do as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. So this is the, this is the things that, that Jesus said we should do. And when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they speak 
for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And then he gives this sample prayer. This is not to be repeated. This is a sample prayer of how to lay out a, a prayer. Be not you there, therefore like to them, for your Father knows what things you need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore pray you, Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we go back to to Mark, the first chapter, and what happens? He gets up early in the morning. He goes out to a solitary place to to pray. (laughs) And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. So they were actually hunting for him, is what that really followed after him. They were hunting for Jesus. What's he doing? Where's he going? What's he after? I want to go find out. Well, Jesus was out in solitary praying to the Father. And then, of course, Jesus then begins to teach them the same things and helping them to understand that. But they were out looking for him. And they found him. They said to him, all men seek for you. And he said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. It is almost like there was a, this force that was moving Jesus to preach, to teach, to reach out to as many people, to the towns around him. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Can you imagine someone with leprosy? That stuff eats away at at you. I mean, it starts out as a white little thing. But then your, your hands and, and wherever it starts beginning to eat your flesh. It's kind of like the flesh-eating bacteria, only it's slower. And, and it's very contagious. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. Now, Lepers were not touched. They were sent away. They were put in confinement. They were put in caves. They were ostracized. They were not to be touched because they knew how contagious leprosy was. Jesus, through his... (laughs) He knew he wasn't going to get the disease. God was going to protect him. He reached out and he touched the man who had leprosy. He had compassion on this man. I will be you clean. I will be you clean. Sometimes just a, these words are just so short. I will be you clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleaned. He was cleansed of the, the leprosy. The scourge that was, that was a part of the, that time. And he straightway charged him and forthwith said to him, 
uh, sent him away. And he said to him, See, you say nothing to any man, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing those things which Moses commanded <clears throat> for a testimony to them. But what does this man do? He was so thankful, so grateful. But he went out and began to publish it. <laughs> he began to publish it and blaze it abroad in the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was outside in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. From this, we find so much of what Jesus was like. In just one chapter, you can kind of see him walking and, and, and doing the things that he has been commanded to do from the very beginning when he was, after he was baptized and after he had that challenge in the wilderness against the devil. And he began then to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Brethren, one of the things that we as Christians need to understand is we need to hold on to Christ and, and, and make sure that we understand that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for, is for each and every one of us. And that that sacrifice, whether we live or die before the kingdom comes to this earth, is for all of mankind that will accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we hope that more will repent and accept the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God and the good news of the king that will rule on this earth, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.